And so this morning is our last sermon in this series on prayer. I hope it has been helpful for you. And uh, today, I entitled the sermon, Living in the Presence of God, which is actually ripped off. I'm going to give credit where credit is due in the sermon. But uh, Living in the Presence of God, which is um, part and parcel to uh, what prayer is all about as well. And uh, the passage that I chose to start with as our jumping off point is from the Gospel of John, John chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 5 to 11 in John chapter 15. If you want to follow along in your pew Bibles, most of them anyway, the page number is going to be 1677, okay? Otherwise the words will be on the screen as well. John 15, beginning at verse 5, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is one of the great I am statements of Jesus. And this is what he says. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be complete me in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so what we've been talking about the last few weeks is, um, you know, kind of the nuts and bolts of prayer we've delved into some different areas, but basically about how prayer is a discipline by which we maintain constant communion with God the Father and God the Son through God the Holy Spirit. It is an ordained means of living out the vital relationship that Jesus describes in John chapter 15 with that analogy that we just heard about the vine and the branches. And so a sermon series about prayer, I think, would be incomplete without mention and spending some time discussing the abiding presence of God with his people. Actually, I think that prayer and the presence of God are are two sides of the same coin if you think about it a certain way. After all, a deep awareness of God's presence comes as the result of, of taking the time, intentional time, to speak and listen to God in prayer. And conversely... I think that the power of prayer is experienced uh, most comprehensively in the lives of those who intentionally spend time in the presence of God. And that all sounds fancy, but what exactly does that look like? Well, I'm going to maybe start with a little bit of self-criticism here, because in our Reformed tradition, I mean, our Reformed tradition contains some 
amazing doctrine and solid theology. In our Reformed tradition, we know what it means to fear God. And we understand the importance of serving him. And we expect one day to stand under his judgment and be covered from that judgment by the blood of Jesus Christ. We believe that it is our duty, even as saved and redeemed people, to obey his commandments, which we talked about a few minutes ago. And that's all solid stuff. That is all really important stuff to keep in mind. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes I think that our emphasis on the transcendence and sovereignty of God uh, compromises our understanding a little bit of the close relationship, the intimate, personal relationship that God wants to have with each one of us. For example, when I was younger, I mean, I... From as long as I can remember, I have understood Jesus to be the one who forgives my sins. I admit my sinfulness. It's bad, guys. I admit my sinfulness, and I recognize my need for a Savior. And I acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Redeemer, and I know because the Bible tells me so that he has cleansed me from my sin. And so all my life, I have prayed this prayer of thanksgiving. Oh, Lord, thank you for dying on the cross to forgive my sins. And that's a vitally important aspect of our relationship with the one true living God. But that doesn't cover the entire scope of the relationship that we ought to have with Jesus at least as he describes it elsewhere in the Gospel of John. Listen to this from John 15, verse 15. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And so if Jesus were here and he had an opportunity to kind of explain what he means in this verse a little bit further. I think that this is what he might say. I think he would say to us, you know, I do want to relate to you as the one who forgives you, and I want to relate to you as Lord of your life. But I also want to be your friend. I want our conversations together in prayer uh, to bring you comfort and guidance I want our dialogues to have some give and take. So sometimes you speak, and sometimes I speak, and sometimes you listen, and sometimes I listen. I would, I would like you to think about me throughout your day. I want you to know that you are never alone, no matter what you're going through. I want you to feel like wherever you go and, and whatever you do, there is a companion by your side. I want you to discover my presence in your daily life. And sometimes, sometimes I can go through the course of a day and I will intentionally picture Jesus standing right next to me. And you know, when I have the discipline to do that, I ordinarily have better days. Understanding that God is always with us, that, that Jesus, it's like he's right there next to us. You know, 
now is time to give credit where credit is due. There was this guy named Brother Lawrence who he, he served as a cook in a 17th century French monastery. And in his writings, he coins this phrase that, that well describes the, the friendship that, that we are to have with Jesus. And, and what he calls it is practicing the presence of God. And, and part of his story is, is that he, he was this, this humble monk, and, and his job in the monastery was kind of to do the kitchen work, uh, to wash the dishes, to, to make sure the kitchen stayed clean, probably to help prepare some, some meals and, and that sort of thing. And, and as this humble monk washed dishes and, and served food to his brothers in the monastery, he, he very intentionally communed and conversed with God throughout the course of everything every day, uh, carrying on a conversation, right? God was right there. God was someone to talk to throughout his day. And as, his, as a result of, of his active awareness of God's presence, uh, his daily tasks, no matter how menial they were, and a lot of them were very menial, they took on this, this meaning and significance that they didn't have before. Now, I discovered this uh, writing by Brother Lawrence my first year at Calvin Seminary. It was assigned reading. It was valuable reading. And I consider it to this day a great blessing because in contemplating that book, I became much more aware of God's imminent presence in my own life. From Brother Lawrence, I, I learned uh, experientially that God is always with me, whether I'm at home, whether I'm at school, whether I'm at work, which means that anytime, anywhere, under any circumstances, I can converse in a meaningful way with the Lord. Isn't that a great gift? Isn't that a great gift? How many of us take that for granted besides me? Okay. And that is one of the tremendous blessings of life on the vine. God is near me, and he wants to enjoy a friendship with me. And actually, God's desire to be with his people uh, traces all the way back to the very beginning, at least the beginning for us, with God walking in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, his beloved created children. And you know, in fact, throughout the entire Bible, God uh, goes to great lengths to let his people know, to give his people an awareness of his presence with them. For example, after leading the Israelites out of Egypt and into the wilderness, uh, God knew very well that they were going to feel uh, frightened and vulnerable and alone. And so God, wanting to, wanting to convince them and give them confidence that he was with them wherever they went, he gave them visible signs of his presence. We read about that in Exodus 13, where it says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And so if the people ever began to wonder whether or not they were going in the right direction, all they had to do was look up at this pillar of cloud. 
And if they ever grew frightened of, of wild animals or hostile enemies that might be stalking them at night, all they had to do was, was look up at that pillar of fire casting that comforting glow upon their camp. God made sure that his people felt his presence in their midst you know, the Old Testament talks about other ways that, that God revealed his presence as well through signs and wonders and miracles and angels and visitations, through uh, the tabernacle that accompanied Israel on its journeys, through the, the Shekinah glory that rested over the Ark of the Covenant in the temple, and lest we forget, through a whole succession of prophets that spoke God's word to God's people. But you know, the fullness of God's presence was yet to come. In the New Testament, the beginning, God offers us his presence in a brand new way in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And the promised child was to be called Emmanuel, God with us. And John explains the significance of Christ's birth in John 1.14, where it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Theologians call this the incarnation. God putting on human flesh in order to live bodily with his people. Now, no question. The presence of God in Jesus Christ changed absolutely everything. I don't want to detract from that one bit. But I do want you to understand, as powerful as God's presence in Christ was, God went even further still. Because you have to understand, the ministry of Jesus lasted only about three years he never left the, the general vicinity of Israel, and only a relatively small amount of people ever met him personally. I mean, the vast majority of the people who have ever lived on this earth have never come into direct contact with him, and that is why Jesus promised his disciples in John 14, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, shortly after Jesus ascended to his heavenly father, that promise was fulfilled. On the day of Pentecost, God sent the Holy Spirit to take up permanent residence in the lives of believers. And ever since Pentecost, all believers have this strong sense of God's presence with them. And so throughout scriptural history, we went from God in our midst to God with us to God in us. You see the trajectory there? The trajectory into closer and closer and closer intimacy and relationship. And so the moment that you submit to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, God cleanses you of your sin and simultaneously fills you with his Holy Spirit. 
And that indwelling spirit of God then communicates to your own spirit. Um, And it's like a perpetual testimony proclaiming the presence of God in your life. So that over time, you come to realize that the presence of God is real in tangible ways. You can feel it. It is with you wherever you go. So then when you practice when you exercise the discipline of an awareness of God's presence, you are ever inspired and encouraged by the Spirit every moment of every day. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you have full access. You have the opportunity to dialogue with the Lord, to uh, share your heart with him, to know for certain that he is listening. So really, the presence of God has nothing to do with being in a church building or being on your knees. It is the blessing of God with you at all times and in all circumstances. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, being aware of God's presence, because God's presence is there whether you're aware of it or not. I'm just saying that being aware of it is beneficial to you. It comes with many significant benefits. And as I close things up, I just want to mention three to you. First, when you increase your awareness of God's presence in your life, you gain divine friendship. (coughs) Not talked about this before how God created people to flourish most within relationships. I mean, we are a communal people. We are a fellowship-based people. But that said, even the best of friends cannot be around you all the time. They move away. They fade away sometimes. They pass away sometimes. Your human friends and family don't always know what you're going through. And unfortunately, because we are fallen human beings, your human friends are not always faithful and dependable. But you know, we weren't designed to experience complete fulfillment in human relationships anyway. We were designed to relate first to God and then to others. Because of sin, we lost the ability to relate properly to God. And because relating properly to God is foundational and and necessary, our human relationships suffer greatly on account of sin as well, which is precisely why Jesus came, to redeem our relationship with God and to redeem our relationship with each other. How does the song go? What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. So then, uh, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Hebrews 4.15 tells us, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. Psalm 121 verse 3 says, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Jesus Christ 
is our divine, perfect friend who always listens. When he expresses affection, he means it. He is patient with our immaturity. He forgives us when we wrong him. He stays committed to us even when we ignore him for long periods of time. He is always faithful. So, first benefit, divine friendship. Secondly, a second benefit that comes from cultivating a relationship with Jesus and living in the presence of God is extraordinary confidence. Now, friendship with God Almighty is wonderful. Even more more wonderful is understanding who Jesus, your closest friend, truly is. God Almighty, creator and sustainer of the universe, able to do far beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. As you enjoy the presence of God in your life, you become increasingly aware of his identity and his power and his character. Begin to realize, because he proves it over and over and over again, that nothing is too difficult for God to handle and that there are no limits to his power. So life cannot throw anything at you that you cannot handle with God, that's in capital letters, okay? I hate to tell you this, for those of you who aren't convinced already, but between today and the day that you die, you are going to have your share of heartbreak and loss. You're going to have to navigate disappointment and trial and tragedy. But brothers and sisters, with the presence of God in your life, you will be able to face these storms with extraordinary confidence. Confidence not because of your ability to handle it, not because of who you are, but because of who God is and because of whose side God is on. And he is always and ever on the side of his people, working for our greatest good and his greatest glory. Finally, the third benefit of practicing the presence of God. It's it's really important. The nuts and bolts of our daily life and our relationships with each other. The third benefit is increased compassion for others. See, the more time that you spend with Jesus, the more time that you cultivate an awareness of his presence in your life, the more you begin to act like him. That is part of the mystery of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. People matter to Jesus. And what matters to Jesus matters to his followers. And so, quite naturally, but yet quite miraculously, Jesus' concern and compassion for people uh, begin to rub off on you. In fact, one way that Jesus is, is bringing his kingdom right now, one way that he is building his kingdom as we speak is by cultivating his compassion in the hearts of his followers who then minister to each other and the whole world. Which brings us back almost all the way back in this series to where we started, which was the Lord's Prayer. And this is how I want to close this morning. 
Because this petition comes into my mind multiple times every day. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, what is God's will for our lives? That we believe in his love and his power. That we come to him regularly in sincerity and trust. That we do our part to clear away barriers between God and us, including preoccupation and excessive busyness that we listen for his still, small voice and obey it when we hear it. And finally, that we live in his presence and enjoy him forever. And I pray that together as a congregation, we might continue on in that journey. Amen. Let's pray.